Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to church. Happy Sunday. If uh, we have not had the chance to meet before, my name is Caleb. It's my honor to get to serve as the youth pastor here at BCA. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, well, today what we're going to be doing as a community is we're going to be continuing on in a collection of talks that we have called, Am I Doing This Right? Am I Doing This Right? This series is really taking time to hone in on the reality of marriage, of parenting, of dating relationships, friendships, really the reality that in every aspect of our life, there are relationships that surround us. And oftentimes in those relationships, we have moments where we sit back and we might wonder to ourselves, am I even doing this right? Am I even doing these things correctly? And uh, there might be times somebody's sitting across from us and they're like, they are not doing this quite well. So we have those times of evaluation, those times we sit back and we wonder what's going on. And we've already been looking at this for a couple of weeks. But today I have the opportunity to speak to what is how we parent teens. I get to speak on how we parent teens. That was weird English right there. Don't know how that sentence was formed. But we are talking about parenting teens. But can I just tell you today right now, for many of you in the room, you're not, either you are a teen, you might be one of our youth students, you might be somebody in this room who you have kids who are older, you might have kids who are younger, you might be somebody who does not have kids at all, that sort of thing. I just want to let you know this message is still for you today. Because as we talk about things that are important for parents to teach their kids, there's a reality that for every single one of us then, they're good things to know. They're things for us to understand and to value within our faith and in our walk with Jesus and that sort of a thing. Now, I want to just speak to a quick reality as we dive into this message. Uh, for my wife and I, as we get to serve as youth pastors here, and it's an amazing honor, one day we want to be parents, but currently we are not parents. We do not have kids. So I'm up here talking about parenting, having not the opportunity to be a parent yet. And although I am not a parent, I missed the joke, actually. That was my bad. <laughs> Gotta love it. All right. Uh, for my wife and I, we're not parents yet. There we go. Uh, and although we're not, we have a desire to be parents. For the last three years, we've actually been train, praying and trying for kids, and we have not been gifted that yet. But it's something that we desire and care for very, very much. And so although we're not parents and although I'm up here and I'm speaking to people uh, who have been walking that road for some time now, I hope you know that I desire the answer to this question a lot. I want to know how to parent well. I want to know one day how to raise my kids well. And so as we dive into scripture and to look at this, I hope for some of you who have been on this journey a long time, for some of you it might feel like a really long time. I hope that it encourages you. I hope that maybe it reignites the desire you once had to make sure your kids had a lifelong relationship with Jesus. And maybe there's just a reality, life's been long, life's been a little difficult, and maybe you need to have that put back in front of you. And so today as we take time to reflect, we're going to look and we're going to see all it is that God has for us. And in reality, we're going to look and hopefully just see one thing, that at the end of the day, you would be able to sit back and say, at least I taught them that. And maybe I didn't get it too wrong after all. But first, let's dive in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, the time to be able to worship you. God, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to have moments where we laugh together. And God, we thank you for moments where we're able to dive into your word together. That today, you are going to go ahead of us, prepare our hearts. Lord Jesus, prepare us in ways that maybe we aren't ready to be challenged, to be able to receive the challenge you may have. And for some of us in here, even to receive the comfort, Lord, 
that we need to receive today. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity. In your holy name, amen, amen, amen. This conversation, it matters a lot because the mantle of being a parent is a really weighty one. It's a really important one. Whether expected or unexpected, a child brings about a new responsibility to somebody's life. There is now a child that although you might have walked in, you didn't have a kid, then you walk out of a hospital one day and you're like, I just have a living being with me now. And that might seem a little weird. It really actually is kind of an odd thing to reflect upon. You're like, I am now responsible enough for this. But no matter what, you are responsible for them. No matter what, you have a weight to now carry. And it should be something that we more often talk about. It should be something that we talk about more often for people to be able to reflect on, to realize. And today my hope is that you're able to actually evaluate some things in your life. Now before I even introduce us to the topic, I want to make sure we have the right mindset for it. And so to do that, for myself, I oftentimes revert back to sports. So when we talk about sports, there's a reality that there's always these things called the fundamentals. Now if you were to think about basketball, there are some fundamentals that you should learn. Now, whether it is like you are playing in the NBA, which I don't think any of us in here are, or you're playing little dribblers, and you're out there trying to learn how to dribble, pass, play defense, all these things. Really, it's more like run with the ball, hand it off, kind of throw it at the hoop, and when the game's 8-2, to two, you're pumped for them because you're a parent or a grandparent or somebody who loves those kids. There's some fundamentals you have to learn. There's some things that are present where you look and say, that at least looks like basketball. And at the end of the day, within our faith, the thing that we're talking about, I want to make sure you hear this first and foremost. This is a fundamental. This is a fundamental. This is a foundational aspect. This is not above and beyond. This is like if somebody went out and they said, what should I know how to do in basketball? I should know how to play offense and defense. If you're amazing at offense and you can do nothing on defense, you are a liability to your team. And actually the reality is, you might get through a few levels of play, you might get through high school, might get through college, but then you might get to this level where now in certain situations they look and they say, we can't put you out there. Why? You do not have the skills necessary for the challenge that lays ahead. You do not have a fundamental thing down yet. And in our lives and as we pray for kids to follow Jesus for a lifetime, as we pray for each and every one of us to follow Jesus through the hard times of life, there are some moments where we might look and say, I don't know if that's too important, but when life gets difficult, you need the fundamentals down. This is foundational. This theme is fundamental. So today, the title of the message and the theme that we're talking about is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. There's a reality that within our nation right now and really throughout society right now, there is an epidemic of people leaving the faith, of people who are stepping out of faith. And I believe one of the main reasons is because we do not truly understand the fear of the Lord. Life gets difficult and our eyes were on other things. So now instead of looking and trying to fight for our faith and fight for God, we fight for those things that we valued over him. The fear of the Lord matters. Now, to make sure that we understand at least a small aspect of what I'm talking about. Because when I say fear of the Lord, a lot of different thoughts come to our mind. For some of us even, it might be like, we're talking about God and we're talking about fear. Is he scary? All those things. Let me give you a little bit of an example to hopefully help us get in the right mindset. And for the students, because they'll love it, I'm going to talk about cross country then. The running joke is I always use cross country stories. The reality is I don't, but today I will. So, I got to run cross country in high school and through my sophomore year of college. So I have a lot of running stories. They work really good in messages, endurance, all those things. Um, but 
Today for this story, I want to reflect back to my junior year of cross country. We got to this spot where we started doing two-a-days. We started running twice a day. For some of you, you're like, I do not want to run twice a week. But we were running twice a day. And we were having these things go on where we'd go, show up early. We'd show up at like 6 a.m., take off for a run. We would get back. We'd shower up. We would then go to class, and we would have our day, and then we'd practice again in the afternoon. On this particular day, we showed up, and one of my teammates, we had kind of a rule. We'd always hang out for guys. We'd want to make sure we could leave together. So this one guy, he slept in. We're calling him. We're like, come on, man, come on, man, come on, man. And then he shows up finally. We're like, if we take off right now, we can make it. We can sprint back. We'll be able to hit the showers. We'll make it to class. It'll be a good day. We won't even smell bad. So we went, and we start off on this run, low on time. We start on this run, and we run down to the intersection from Arlington High School. That's with Highway 9 and a road that I do not know the name of. And so as we got to this intersection, we start hitting the button. We're like, all right, we got to wait for the crosswalk, whatever. But then we look around. We're like, it's like 6.30. And we're just like, there's one car we can see off in the distance. And so we're just like, let's book it. So we run, and we start to go across the highway. And that car, it, we're all good. Did not hit us in case that's where you're wondering if the story was going. We go and we cross the road. The car got kind of close. Like kind of close. Close enough that we were like, meh, that might not have been the smartest. And so we go on our run. We get on our way back. It's a great day, all those things. We hit the showers. And we go to stop by our coach's classroom on the way to class. And as we get there, we walk in. We're like, hey, coach. He loves us, cares about us. We wanted him to know that we had done a good job for the day, all those things. And he looks, and he's like, hey, guys, how was the run? We said, hey, it was good. And he said, yeah, you know, I at least saw the start of it. And we're like, what do you mean? And he looks, and he's kind of like, hey, I got pretty close to you guys at Highway 9, didn't I? And we sit back, and we're like, oh, that was the one car that could have seen us, and it was him. And he starts to look at us, and he just says, he's like, guys, I'm just disappointed. And we sat there, and we're like, oh my gosh, like that hurt. He wasn't even necessarily mad, he was just disappointed. Some of you have heard these fateful words, it hurts sometimes. In this moment, can I just tell you, when we hit that crosswalk in the future, we hit the button and we waited. Because we were just a little scared that he might see it again, that we might disappoint him in that area again. See, can I just tell you that our coach, we were not in that moment upset because we were scared of him as if he was some scary movie character or something like that. We actually knew he cared and loved for us so much that we just didn't want to disappoint him. We had a value that we knew our coach would fight for us, so we wanted to honor and respect him. In our walk with God, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we are not talking about being scared of God, but rather we are in awe of His love and His care for us so much that we want to be close to Him in and through all things. That's what we're talking about today. And so instead of just using cross-country examples for you, I want to take a moment and look to the Scripture. I want to show you two different times where the fear of the Lord, I believe, is demonstrated in a powerful way that shows us why it is so important for us to hold on to. The first one is in a book of the Bible called Job. It's spelled J-O-B, Job, but it's Hebrew, not English, so it's Job. And in Job 1.1, it says this, In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. The book of Job is a great one. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I recommend everyone take some time to read it. It's long. It goes through a lot of different thoughts and times of processing for Job. But it is a book that is impactful and powerful for many reasons. But this first opening line is one of the biggest reasons why the book works. 
It's why Job is someone we look to and we reflect upon because he feared God. Let me give you the Cliff Notes version of the story of Job. Job goes and he ends up facing an immense trial in his life. He loses children, he loses house, he loses shelter, he loses friends, he loses everything that he ever had worked for. He gets to the point that his wife looks at him and says, curse God and die. Very healthy marriage. And he sits back and in this moment he has friends coming to him and they're trying to say advice that if we're honest, we probably would be saying, we'd probably be looking and saying, Job, you know what, what'd you do wrong? God must be mad at you. What's happening in this situation? Weren't all the blessings a sign of God with you? And they start trying to talk to him about it and Job refuses to curse God. Job refuses to believe that God had turned his back on him and Job carries on and what happens? God meets him in the midst of it. You see, the story of Job, though, is predicated with the necessity that he feared God. There are things in Job's life that he lost that we have built our lives upon. God, as long as I'm healthy, that's what I care most about. God, as long as I'm wealthy, that's what I care most about. God, as long as I have shelter above my head and I'm making it through life good, that's what I care most about. When those things are taken away, who is still the center of your life? Job showed us it was God. And he feared him. He cared for him. He knew at the end of the day that nothing else could take his place. Job feared the Lord. Another story we see, and whose characters we read over really quickly a lot of the times, is in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1. You see, at the end of Genesis, we read about the Israelites ending up settling in Egypt. And as they settle in Egypt, they start to have more and more kids, and they start to grow as a people and all of these things. And we get to the start of Exodus, and we end up finding out that Pharaoh and the Egyptians, they're getting a little worried. They're like, these people are starting to overtake our land and our space and all of these things. So Pharaoh looks, and in one of the most twisted things he could imagine, he said, what will we do? We'll cut their legs out from under them. We're going to get rid of a generation. And he looks and he says, we're going to kill off all of the Hebrew boys. All the babies who are born. We're going to get rid of these children so what? So that they know that we're in control. And so as this happens, he goes to who? The midwives. The ones delivering the children. And he gives them the order to carry this out. But then it says in verse 17 of chapter 1. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. These women made a bad job decision. They made a bad job decision. Pretty poor career move. They went to their ultimate boss and they said no. They didn't just say no. They went and did the exact opposite of what he told them to do. Why? Because their ultimate boss was God. They feared him more. In scripture, can I just be honest with you, there are times that God might call us to difficult things. And when we see people honor that, guess what? They end up being in the place of these women. They are heroes. Because they looked and they said, we will fight to see what God has over you, king. Hard circumstance, hard situation, but what helped them get through it? Not just general good morals. Not just general good practices, a genuine fear of the Lord. Because they looked and they said, God, we know how great you are. And you are greater than this man. It matters. It's important. It fills us up. It builds us up. So today now, you might be like, how does this affect parenting? Well, I thought the best way to actually equip us 
was rather than trying to give you a ton of practicalities in this area, I wanted to give you tools to evaluate this area within your family. And as you evaluate, then you can start taking steps forward. And again, if you're not a parent in here, if you don't have kids, that sort of a thing, you might even just be single in here, these questions, just rephrase them for you individually. Rephrase them for you to reflect upon. But let's look at these things. I have three questions to evaluate the fear of the Lord in your family. First one is this. What would your kids say you value? What would your kids say you value? Not what would you tell your kids you value. What would they say? What would your kids say based off of how they see you live your life? What would your kids say based upon the actions that you practice? Based upon the things you give your time to? The things that you've shown you value? You see, what you fear can, yes, obviously be something you're scared of, yet the reality is that it's being, ha, the reality is having a fear for something is showing that you actually value it most, that it's something that you want to be near. I'll tell you this, I'm afraid of my wife. I fear my wife. Not because she's scary, although she scares me sometimes. No, Sierra just loves to try to hide around corners and then scare me. You might be like, that sounds ridiculous. I scream every time. It I frighten easy. I shouldn't have told them that. All right. I'm scared of my wife. I have a fear for my wife. Why? Because I care about her immensely. Because in every situation and moment that I step into, I want to make sure that I am honoring her. That if she was present in that moment, would she look at me and be like, what would you just say? I want to make sure that she is honored properly. I will tell you this, one day when Sierra and I have children, I would never want there to be a day that my kids walk up to me and they point and they say, hey dad, it seems like you like that woman a lot. It seems that you're very mindful of her. It seems like you notice her a lot. And can I just say really quick in this room, all of us would be uncomfortable with that being a reality. All of us would be uncomfortable with that being a reality, but we have not taken the time to think, have we made sure God is at the top value or we have not placed someone above him when he rightfully deserves it? Who would your kids say, what would your kids say you value? Let's just be frank for a moment, because I don't want to do a disservice to us as a community as we talk about this. Within America, at Capital C Church, the regular, average church attendance is one out of four weeks. In reality, it's actually one out of six, but let's operate on one out of four. It's easier for numbers. This is not to shame anybody. This is to answer the question, how do we help kids follow Jesus for a lifetime? This is to look and to reflect about what we're doing, what values we're instilling. So can I just ask this, is if you or someone you know and love falls into this statistic, what is worth 75% more of your time and life might be busy, but that is what your kid will value it down to. Life might be busy. What's worth more of your time? Is it sleep? Is it sports? Is it family time? Is it work? Nothing I just said is bad and sinful. Nothing I just said is an evil thing that you should not do. But it is not the main thing. Can I just tell you really quick, putting my youth pastor hat on for a moment, Parents, me and Sierra, we love your kids. We'll do everything that we can to fight for your kids. And I know that you want your kids to value the commitments that they make. 
But if your kid is doing sports and music and school and all those things, which are all good, have them do them and have them do them to the best. But are you making sure they realize that missing for that tournament, missing for that thing, are you instilling the value still to be the Lord above it? That doesn't mean they can't go to it, but are you making sure that it's instilled, that you're saying this is an exception to the rule, this is an exception to what our practice is. Why? Because we still want God to be number one. Are you fighting for your kids to understand the things you truly value? Are you fighting for them to realize that? There might need to be some reality checks in the parental units of families because you wonder why your child is not closer to God, yet their model is not demonstrating the value that they need to see. If you expect something out of your kids that is not being demonstrated through you, you need to start to reflect. I'm not saying this to shame anybody. I'm not saying this to put anyone down. I am saying this because I would rather you be able to have an uncomfortable moment of evaluation now rather than scramble for solutions down the road. Take this time. Think about Job once more. If Job did not fear God, imagine what his life would have turned into. He loses children, he loses well-being, he loses his health, he loses his work, he loses all of these things. And everyone thinks he's crazy because he still says that God is good. They think he's insane. But God showed him that it was the most sane place to be. That God was going to fight for him, be there with him. What do you value most? What would your kids say? If we believe the God of the universe wants relationship with us for an eternity and that he came to this earth to fix the problems we made, then he deserves my number one priority, and I'm afraid to not be with him. The second thing is this, second question is this. What reasons do your kids believe you follow Jesus? What would they say you value, and what reasons do your kids believe you follow Jesus? Again, it's not to hurt feelings, it's to ask drastically important questions. Why do you follow Jesus? Why do your kids believe you do? Is it out of ritual? Is it because your parents did? Is it because you want to go to heaven? Is it because of what he does for you? I want us to realize some things about the fear of the Lord. I want us to realize some things about what scripture promises us from it. Proverbs 19.23 says this, The fear of the Lord leads to life, so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. I pray my kids will not be touched by evil. So what must I do based upon scripture? Make sure that they fear the Lord and have him number one, so that when evil approaches, they look and say, I want the greater thing. I want my kids to fear the Lord because I want good things for them. I don't want them pacified walking throughout life. I want them untouched by evil, sleeping satisfied. Psalm 33, 18 to 19 says this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Can you all hear this really quick? God sees all of us. God sees every single person. God cares for every person. He wants relationship with every single person. But just in the same way that you might, let's just use for example, walk into work. And there might be a new person hired on at work. And you see them, and you see them doing their job really well. They're motivated. They have high character in what they're doing. They're walking through it well. And you start to say, I notice that person. I want to try to help them succeed. They've caught your eye. For the Lord, the thing that catches his eye is the fear of the Lord. It is that when we fear him, have him in right priority, not only does he see us, but his eye has been caught to us. He's noticing us in a greater way. Why? Because we're noticing him in a greater way. Psalm 31, 19. How great is your goodness, O man. 
which you stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge, refuge in you before the sons of men. I do not want my kids to experience my goodness. I want them to experience the goodness of God. And it says that the goodness of God is stored up for those who fear him. There is a reality when God is in the right priority, what has he done? He has set aside his goodness to be poured out upon us, to carry us through the issues and the trials of life. Doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. Doesn't mean that life's going to be smoothed over. Doesn't mean there won't be issues. Guess what? Jesus had issue strike. Jesus had moments of trouble. Jesus had moments of trial. But as we look, we see his goodness, the goodness of his father was poured out upon him to persevere. As we look at our lives and as you look to your children, as I pray for my children one day, I pray that the goodness of God be poured out upon them. So as a father, I need to make sure that I'm helping them to understand what's the main thing. When we fear him, he is with us. We walk with God and honor him by fearing him, his blessing is with us. I want to tell you really quick what I hope my kids answer that question with one day. Why do mom and dad follow Jesus? I hope they will say, I followed Jesus because I'm so in love with him, I couldn't imagine life without him. I hope they can't imagine their dad without Jesus. I hope they can't imagine a moment that their dad would not be walking with Jesus and honoring Jesus. I hope they look and they see it as an inseparable theme. Why? Because that's what I desire for them so they can walk with the Lord for their entire life through all the trials of this life. We need to help make sure this is a reality need to make sure this is a reality. If you want a daunting test question, go home and ask your kids, why do mom and dad follow Jesus? And take the time to hear what they say. And it might be that they have no answer. It might be that they say, I don't know, just because, or something like that. And can I just say, that's not a moment for you to feel ashamed. That is not a moment for you to feel like you have failed. It's a moment for you to look and to say, all right, Lord, what are the steps forward today? What can we do now? Why do you follow Jesus? See, the first question we asked was really looking internally. What do we value? The second question is looking at what are we helping demonstrate to those around us? The third question is this. Do you want them to have a good life or to live life with God? This is what we want brought up within our children. Do you want them to have a good life or to live life with God? This is such an important question because it will build the foundation of your family and what you fight for. It is the thing that will make your decisions for you because you are looking and you are saying, do I want the good thing or I want them to follow God for a lifetime? And you have to actually look at every decision and say, what is it helping propel us towards? See, a good life is a good thing. A good life can be a nice time. A life with God, though, it may look different than the American dream. It may look different than having a house and a steady job and having all the things that they could have ever imagined. It might look a little different. I would be amiss if I didn't tell you the American dream might be 80 to 90 years of your kid's life. But eternity alongside with God is forever. Eternity alongside with God is eternity. It is forever with Him. It matters much more than a few good years. It matters more than a steady job with retirement. I'm not saying not to fight for those things and to seek after those things for your kids to succeed and do well in that way. But if that is the main objective, then something has gotten above. Do you want your kids to have a good life or to live with God? 
See, I say this not being a parent, but hoping to help some. Pray for your kids. Fight for your kids. Do all you need to do for them. Yet please realize that as much as me and Sierra care for your children, and maybe for some of you one day we'll get to care for your children. We are blessed to serve you, but we are only a fraction of what is possible in comparison to your investment. The parents of families are the ones who are able to outpour more than we could ever imagine, more than any message I could try to say and hold people's attention for as long as I can and that sort of a thing. Your words, your life modeled, your life lived is going to create the change you want to see in your children. Why? Because they look and they say, Mom and dad love Jesus. I love mom and dad. I want to love Jesus. I want to follow after him. It doesn't mean it's going to be an easy journey. It doesn't mean you're now guaranteed to have easy parenting and all of those things. That'd be naive. But it means at the end of the day, you could sit back and say, at least I taught them that. At least I taught them that. I might not have been perfect, but at least I got them that. You see, this message really sums up to one thing. The fear of the Lord is the main thing that will help any believer persevere through the trials of life. The fear of the Lord is going to help you to persevere. Why? Because there is nothing now that is above him that you will care more for. There is nothing that is above the Lord that you will look and say, yeah, God, I'll honor you unless this happens. But if this happens, God, then I can't. But God, if this takes place, no, no, no. When we have a true understanding of the greatness of God and we have a fear that is holy and reverent for who the Lord is, then when anything happens and anything strikes, we look and we say, God, what's next? God, what is next? God, I'm not concerned about what happens to me. I I care about what you're asking me to step into. The midwives in the book of Exodus, they weren't concerned about personal repercussions. They were concerned about honoring God and what he had called them to. One of the children they would save would be Moses, who helps lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Their obedience led to deliverance. There might be moments that are difficult. They might be trying, but when we fear the Lord, he's going to help us to make the ultimate decision that will honor him well. And I pray that for your kids. I pray that for mine. Everyone in here, I just want you to hear this today. Don't just love Jesus and not fear him. Do not just pray at night and not realize the magnitude of who you pray to. And do not hear this message And forget the extravagant grace that washes over you, even if you feel like you haven't been doing this right. Today, if you're in here, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever it may be, whether you're in here, whether you're online, whether you're in traditions right now, if you feel like this is an area where you messed up, do not forget the grace of God wants to help you take steps forward now. That the grace of God is great even in the midst of our struggles and our failures. It's just now saying, what do I do next? What steps does God have for me? In just a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us from the worship center to online and traditions. And I want to pray a blessing for us that the Lord would help us to have an understanding of what it means to truly value him, number one. To truly say we're going to fight for kids to love Jesus for a lifetime. But first, I do want to give you something practical for what we must do now to start instilling the fear of the Lord properly into our families, into ourselves, into our relationships. Number one, 
make God your top priority. Just, just make him your top priority. Just say, God, what are you calling us to do? We're going to honor that. God, the excuses are going to start going out the back door. They're not allowed anymore. We're going to honor you. Is it uncomfortable conversations? Is it difficult moments? Is it going to lead to some things that are trying and struggling? Probably, but Jesus promised that. So we look and we say, God, I want to value you, number one. Number two, demonstrate the faith to those around you. Demonstrate the faith. People can tell what you care about based upon what you represent. I know about you guys, the other day I went out and I was mini golfing with some friends and I was talking about the NFL draft for like 12 holes until I didn't like what we did. And we're just going and we're just having this moment. And you know what? That's a fun moment. It's a fun time, all of those things. But if I have everybody I interact with for a day, just look and say, Caleb really cares about the NFL. That's kind of a lost day. I want to demonstrate my relationship with Jesus. Doesn't mean I don't have other things that I care about, enjoy, whatever it may be. But I want to demonstrate the faith to those around me. Demonstrate the faith to those around me. Demonstrate it to your kids. Parents, really fast, I want you to hear this. Do your kids know that you read the Bible? Well, I'm not much of a reader. Be one for your kids. Be one for your kids. Look at them and say, hey, mom and dad, we're going to go and we're going to read the Bible for a little bit. Maybe your kids are going to reach out one day and say, hey, can I join you? Maybe you sit down with them and say, hey, let's read through this really quick. Dad was reading it earlier, and it really spoke to me. I want you to hear what God said. Do your kids know that you pray? The God of the universe wants to talk with you. Might be looking at your kids and saying, hey, for 10 minutes every single night at this time, hey, I'm going to my office, I'm going to pray. And let them know what you're doing. And then they might look one day, and they might say, can I go and pray with you? I, I, I can't. More than any message a youth pastor could speak, a kid's pastor could speak, a pastor could speak, that is a moment that is definitive in your child's memory of what faith looks like. Because their parents showed it. Third thing is this, talk about your story. Parents, tell your kids your story. Tell them about what Jesus has done. Because I want you to hear this right now. When they end up hearing, God did that for mom and dad, they can sit back and say, God can do that for me. When you know people in your life who need to know Jesus, tell them your story. Why? Because then they can believe it for themselves. They can believe that if God moved in your life in a real and tangible way, that he could do it for them. And as you're walking that out, what's happening? Man, they were telling me their story. They were living different than other people I knew. They said, that, they said that God has to be the main thing. They have to go pray about a decision. What's going on here? They end up seeing that you fear the Lord and that he takes precedent, that he is more valuable than anything else. And they might just say, I want that. Just imagine what it could look like. At this time, what I just want to invite us to do is I just want to invite you, if you're able, just to stand with me for a moment. And I'm a youth pastor and you can't get it out of me, so I'm just going to invite you just to close your eyes and bow your head. It's not more spiritual. It's not really just a youth thing. It's just a moment of privacy between you and the person next to you. It's so that people are able to respond without worry of who's looking around. And today I just think there is a reality that for some of us we need to acknowledge that there are things that have gotten above God. Even maybe within our families, we're starting to sit here and we're getting worried for our children. Well, that worry has a Savior who wants to walk in the midst of it to give you peace and comfort right now. 
For some of us, there's things that God's highlighting. He's saying that thing has become too valuable in your life. And we need to actually look and to say, God, be the top priority again. It's a simple thing today. I'll do it as two things. The first thing is today, if you need the strength to say, God, you're the top priority. I have other things in my life and I need to shift some things around. God, for the sake of my family, for my kids, for the sake of you, God, I need to do these things. And the second thing today is God has convicted you of something that you're saying it's about to change today. If that's you, on the count of three, I want to invite you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you that the Lord is going to cement that within your heart. If that's you, on the count of three, one, two, three. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to build you up. He wants to help you to change the things you need to change. He wants to fight for your kids more than you could ever imagine fighting for them yourselves. Lord Jesus, right now, we pray for every person in the worship center, in the chapel, anybody online right now, God, that you would wash over them with just a sense of your presence and your security. That God, today we say you are number one. You are at the top of our priorities. You are the one we value most. And that God, if today we need to make some hard decisions to reorient some things, help us to do so now. Lord, may we not leave today the same, but may we leave today saying that you are the one we care most for. And God, may people see the impact of that in our lives. Jesus, we thank you right now. Right now, I just want you to think if there's something that needs to change, you need to commit to it in this moment. You need to commit to what God's wanting you, not for anybody else, but just for you and God, Lord Jesus, right now. Clarify it. Solidify it, Jesus. In your name, amen, amen, amen. We're going to write the prayer team down here. We're going to sing a song of worship. If you need prayer today, if you need to pray for your kids today, if you need to pray for a loved one today, if you need to pray for yourself to shift some things today, can I just challenge you to come forward to receive prayer and just see what God may do. Let's worship Him though. Let's praise Him right now for what He's done.